Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the Superhero Ethics Podcast. My name is Matthew West Fox. I'm one of your hosts, and I'm happy to announce that our frequent guest, Paul, has actually gonna, uh, decided to sign on to the podcast as one of our official co-hosts. So, Paul, introduce yourself. Greetings, people of Earth. This is Paul Christopher Hoppy, a.k.a. Giant Buddha, a.k.a. Zen Madman. Um, I write, I play poker, I do a bunch of other stuff, and uh, now I co-host this podcast with Matthew. Awesome. Well, something to put on your resume, because I'm sure this will be remembered down through the ages. Um, yeah, so greetings to people of Earth and any extraterrestrial humans or robots or aliens who might be listening to this in the future. Of course, and certainly, if you've ever thought that podcasts aren't for you because your lives aren't valuable, that's what we're talking about today. Um, Indeed. Our, our topic today is actually about the idea of when lives matter. Um, it's obviously inspired somewhat by political discussions going on in the world today, and that's something we are going to talk about. But I, it, grounding it in the superhero conversation, um, you know, you and I, Paul, have talked in, in previous episodes about especially Batman, but also Daredevil a little bit. Both of these characters make a big deal about the fact that they don't kill. Um, but a lot of the other characters don't seem to have... And then you've got someone like Punisher, who is clearly okay with killing. Um, yes. I mean, he, in fact, makes a big deal that he does kill. Right. But it seems a lot of the other characters, and, and, and today I think we're going to focus specifically on the Marvel Universe, just for that contrast, but we'll bring in examples from others. A, a lot, there are a lot of characters out there who never make a big deal of it, um, but do kill people, uh, yes. some, some quite often. Um, and I, want, I think that would be a great thing for us to talk about in terms of why does it seem okay for some characters to kill people and others and not, and what, you know, what, is, what is happening there to, to make us okay with being killed? So let me just start with that, sort of. When, when you see some of these shows, what, what are you seeing in terms of who it seems we're allowed to kill? So I've, I've got a list I've prepared that <laughs> uh, includes robots, aliens, zombies, vampires, orcs, goblins, ghost schools, animals, giant bugs, drug dealers, gang members, terrorists, Nazis, and Mexicans, depending on, you know, who, who you're talking to. Right. These are the people who we, we see our characters kill without seeming to have moral problems with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, I mean, they sometimes go to contortions to have the, to like show that a certain character isn't getting killed, like in the old um, X Men uh, animated series or to, or, you know, uh, the Justice League animated series. They'll, when, when there's a superhero like destroying an airplane or something, they'll show, the pilot ejecting like every time. I remember you know? I I used to watch GI Joe when I, when I was a kid, and I thought it was ridiculous that every sing you know these are people mm -hmm. who are using high tech military equipment, tanks and right. missiles and machine guns. Yes, and red lasers and blue lasers. Yeah, exactly that too. <laughs> and you always see the parachute from the plane. You always see the guy jump out of the tank just before it explodes. Right there, they made real effort to not show people dying. Yeah. Um, but like I was watching Avengers this morning. Um, you know, and A, first of all, like, aliens are on your list. We, we see, right. you know, all of our heroes killing aliens by the hundreds. But there's even a scene early in the movie. Well, there's two scenes that really struck me. Very early in the Oh, by the way, spoiler alert. We're going to spoil pretty much everything Marvel has ever shown on TV and probably a lot of other things, too. Um, yes, yeah, a lot of <laughs> Justice League episodes. So just, you know, Star Wars watch might everything first. Yes. And then, no, okay. Star Wars <laughs> might get spoiled, but especially, spoiler warning, any Marvel TV show or movie. 
Um, <clears throat> but so in the Avengers movie, early on, Hawkeye gets, you know, mind wiped by, mind controlled by Loki. Nick right. Fury tries to kill him. Nick Fury tries yeah. to shoot him. Um, yeah. And then later, um, Hawkeye and Loki have a bunch of soldiers who are helping them. And, and a line is actually specifically said that these aren't soldiers who are mind controlled. These are just people who are angry at S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, right. And Captain America throws one of them off an airplane. Yeah. Um, it's in the middle of a fight to the death, so I can sort of understand yeah. it. But yeah. this is not a helicarrier, no. A helicarrier, no. Thank you, thank yeah. you. Um, uh, I, I will count on you for pedantic corrections of things that are uh, quite you. as important. And I think they're over water, so like <laughs> you know, maybe he's a good diver. Po- well, possibly. <laughs> um, and that is certainly something we can get into as well. The idea that often we show characters rationalizing that they're not really killing people. Um, but yeah, so, so so here I think there's a pretty big change from you know the, the stuff we grew up with to today. Our heroes are killing people pretty frequently. Yeah, well, I just to say the stuff that we grew up with. You mean specifically, um, like superhero stuff? Yeah. Yeah, because in action movies, like people got blown up a lot or oh, shot. Sure, Bruce Willis know. was killing people all the time. Right. Exactly, and I. I in terms of Nick Fury trying to shoot Hawkeye, you know, Nick Fury's not a superhero. He's a super spy. Right. You know, and spies kill people, I guess. I don't know. Um, except, like, Michael Weston doesn't do it unless he absolutely has to. Uh, that's a burn <laughs> notice reference for anyone who hasn't watched one of my favorite shows. Fantastic uh, or show. Or one, one of our favorite shows. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So, but, uh, you know, the I think there is sort of a distinction there between the militarism or paramilitarism or whatever of like Nick Fury, Hawkeye, Black Widow, right? I mean Black Widow is an assassin by right. trade, right? And and even, you know, Captain America is a military guy sort of, right. right? I mean um, you know, he's he's a skinny guy from Brooklyn who got experimented on and obviously is a superhero, but I think that's sort of actually an evolution for him. Right. And in a way I think um Avengers is kind of the beginning of that turning point, you know, where he goes from being, you know, a military follow orders, you know, I'm in a war uh, right. sort of fellow to, you know, then where it takes a sharp right turn at Winter Soldier and he's, you know, all of a sudden he's just clearly this is a superhero who's decided he's going to make up his own mind about how to go about things because um, he's, you know, he, he's lost faith in kind of the chain of command and stuff. And, right. um, yeah, and, and so I do think there is that kind of distinction between, like, the sort of militarism or the government entities and the, um, you know, the people who are like, I'm a superhero, right, right. Um, that are like private citizens. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see that, especially, I, I think, kind of in two ways, because in a way to kind of leap, uh, link in Batman here as well, who isn't a mm-hmm. superhero per se with the, the powers, right. but yeah. I, I think you could definitely say that I mean, I, I would hope everybody has a moral responsibility involving, you know, when they use lethal force. And, and certainly, you know, the police and military having that responsibility is a, is a big issue today. But but I, even more, I guess, in, the, in these shows and movies we're talking about, there's something to be said for once you start to have superpowers, now it becomes even more important that you're really thinking about how am I using these powers and am I using them irresponsibly, you know? Right. If you're a superhero, killing becomes that much easier. So is it even more important that you're thinking seriously about who are you killing and who are you not? 
Um, or for someone like Batman, like if you're going outside of the law, or you know, you can say the same about Black Widow when she kind of goes rogue. Once right. you've decided you're going to sort of go outside of those establishments like the military or the police or the government, now you're not accountable to someone else. And so now you really have to be responsible for, you know, when are you deciding that killing is okay? Right. Yeah. And it, it is like the sort of once a character leaves the chain of command or, or just starts off not being in it, they, they have a greater degree of personal accountability and, and agency really. Right. You know, they're making their own decisions. Am I going to do, you know, am I going to use lethal force here? Am I not? And whereas I think, you know, I mean, I guess maybe getting into the whole like real world politics of it um, a little bit early, maybe I, I think one of the problems with the way government officials use lethal force, whether those are police officers or whether those are, um, you know, uh, soldiers or drone pilots or, or whatever, is that those individuals, I think, are often not necessarily thinking entirely of themselves as making their own choice in that moment. And I right. think a lot of people at large aren't thinking of those individual people as making that choice in that moment, like on their own. And, and I mean, there's, there's a, honestly, there's an element of truth to that, right? Because yeah. there are other people who are involved in those decisions, who are involved in the training and setting policies in holding individuals accountable or not holding individuals accountable, and then not necessarily holding people accountable further up the chain of command either. So, um, right. you at know, the, with... At, at what yeah. point do you say the problem is the soldier and at what point do you say the problem is the general who ordered the soldier and at what right, point do exactly. you say like how can we both say um, you know that there's a distinct problem of individual police officers doing terrible things yeah. but that there's also a larger issue with what they are doing is acting in the way they have been trained to and the problem yeah. is just as much that training and that mentality that's undergirding the whole institution right and it's it's not I, I think people often see it as an either or like if you start assigning responsibility, blame, accountability to the institution, then you're removing it from the individual. Yep. And to me, I feel like it's not like, okay, there's one unit of blame and we can either put one unit on this one person, one unit on this other person, one unit on the system, or we can go like a third, 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 or like 50-50 and leave one of them out. But it's like, you know, you can put all of it on all three or you can understand like maybe the other factors do kind of mitigate the amount of responsibility an individual or a system or whatever. And it's just, I, I feel like that's a, it's truthfully a very difficult conversation to have. And I think people are very bad at having it. Oh, to be you sure, know? to be sure. And I think in a lot of ways, <clears throat> this question of individual versus larger accountability um, is really at the heart of the, of the Civil War movie that recently came out. Um, and that's right. one I would love for us to, to go deeper on because I know that um, you and I see things differently. Um, and once you ever yes. write that article about Team Cap that you've been promising for more than a month <laughs> now, um, everyone tweet at him, stroke his ego, tell him how much you <laughs> want to hear a defense of Team Cap. Um, yeah, but now it might be Cap with a K. Well, that too. Um, I have no idea why, but I'm going to move right along. Um, Kaepernick, bro. Come on. Oh, okay. Forget. No, yep. Did I just say bro? Can we, can we start over? Can we start the <laughs> – no? Okay. I, anyway, I, I promise I will edit out the bro. Um, 
No, I won't. But no, um, no. but yes, we are both on Team Kaepernick in that regard, even though it pains me to be on Team any 49er. Um, but <laughs> the, the point was, so, so I think what we've established there is why it's important now for these individuals who have broken away from the institutions to um, to do their own moral reasoning about when they can kill and when they can't. Um, and and I, I, to me, what I think is really interesting is, you know, we have a couple of characters who clearly do that. We have an awful lot who don't. Um, yeah. Like Captain America. Like, um, you know, a better example maybe is, is Iron Man. Because um, I was actually yeah. thinking one pe- group we could add to your list is Afghans or people the United States is at war with. You know, he right. he kills an awful lot of uh, people in, Af- in Afghanistan. Uh, yes. Uh, and they're portrayed as... In bad, Iron Man 1. In Iron Man 1, right. And yeah. they're portrayed as uh, bad people. Um, but, right. But, and, and that's kind of what I wanted to get at is it, it, it seems that my impression is in the TV shows and movies where you don't see the character moralizing over should or shouldn't they kill what happens instead is a pretty strong effort to tell us that the people who are being killed are worthy like they don't have full human worth and thus it's okay to kill them um, and, and that, that, that's where I, 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 I at least think this is really interesting and kind of problematic and, and kind of the meat of what I wanted us to go into so I, I kind of want to just start there. Like, where, where, what, what do you think of sort of what, what, what we see happening when, pe- you know, our, our heroes are killing people without much thought? Yeah, I mean, not the best message. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree there, and uh, we can circle back to the meat of it. But uh... <laughs> which which is the point that'll come up between myself, my <laughs> my carnivorous self, and my vegan friend here. Um, yeah, a little foreshadowing. <laughs> But um, that's uh, to to sort of um, give a little callback to last episode with Desperado. There's that one line where, you know, he says that everybody he's killed has been somebody's yep. father, somebody's son, somebody's brother. Which I guess explains that at the end scene, like Carolina must have killed you know the Bucho's girlfriend or whatever. Right. But uh, <laughs> um, but you know he's like saying that throughout the movie, it's like okay, these are. Um, you know, the bad guys, they're quote-unquote world-class turds, as yep. uh, Steve Buscemi's character, Buscemi, <laughs> said, calls them, you know. But um, but at the end, it's like, yeah, you know, he killed a bunch of people who, like, maybe had it coming or whatever, you know. Um, and, you know, I mean, we've discussed, like, maybe it's, like, a little easier for American audiences to be like, yay, you killed all those people, like, because they're Mexican or, like, Certainly, though, because they're drug dealers or gang members, you I, know. I, I mean, I'm I'm really glad that you, in a kind of questioning but serious way, added Mexicans at the end to your list. Because yeah, I, yeah. I, I do think if that movie was about a guy named, you know, Robert Butler, who was a drug, a, a meth dealer who ran the meth trade in a small rural city, in a small rural town in America, right. where the whole police department had been bought off, I don't think that movie is received in anywhere near the same way. Um, I, I well, well, no, because okay. Met, met, Let me disagree with you without you like. Ch- well, if you want to change what you're saying, was I, that what you're about to? I mean, I think I think the, as I said that I think meth dealing white American, right? You know, which can translate into redneck is is sure. almost the next lowest on the on the on the R- rung. Right, but, right. But but yeah, clearly the fact that they're Mexican makes it easier. Was gonna be my point. Yeah, and I mean my so so. I definitely think that there are a segment of people um, or a number of people, whatever, that there are people who will see, you know, a Mexican drug dealer getting shot or hear about maybe Filipino drug dealers getting shot 
or in the United States seeing black drug dealers getting shot and yep. think and feel differently about it than if they see a bunch of you know white drug dealers getting shot um although if you make those white drug dealers like white power you know not neo-nazi drug dealers then like all of a sudden you kind of get another like dehumanizing you know nazis was on oh, that list too i mean right? I, um, I've, I i've never like watched all the movies and done a body count but i my guess is going to be that the movie where the hero kills the most people is captain america in the first captain america movie Right, but, and I mean, but he's killing Nazis, he's right? killing Nazis and Hydra yeah. members, and so yeah. that's absolutely okay, you know. By... Right, right, and and so I guess um, my counterpoint to the whole des like the Desperado while they're Mexicans and like how how much of an effect like I'm sure that has an effect on some people, right? Yep. But we have movies like John Wick, um, where a guy goes around killing a bunch of, you know, New York like gangsters or whatever you know and we have um i forgot i had another example in my head but it's it's not like it's a thing that doesn't happen and doesn't still get really well received so i i would just say that i think that's certainly a factor for some people yep but i i actually think the drug dealer thing is probably a bigger factor mm -hmm. um for most people you know and i think i think a sort of disappointingly large number of people would be like, oh, well, you know, they're drug dealers. Like, what do right. you want? You know? Well, and, and I think, and again, we're going to get back to the Marvel stuff, but for anyone who hasn't seen it, go watch Desperado. It's just an amazing movie and there's so much for us to talk about. But in, in that last episode, I, I referenced, you know, how different a movie would this be if it was all told from the perspective of, you know, poor people in this going nowhere Mexican town who went to work for Bucho because right. they had no other prospects. And, and I said that as though like that's a crazy idea but, but I went back and rewatched the movie and there actually is a character who's introduced as this young kid, someone's cousin, he's looking yeah. for work, he has to go through this brutal fight just to get a, get a job He'll and never he, dance again. He'll never dance, exactly. <laughs> and Antonio Manderas winds up murder, you know, not murdering, he's in self-defense, but right, killing, right, right. killing him yeah. along with everyone else. Shoots him many, many times. And, and I thought that was interesting, that even there, even when he that story was humanized a little bit, still, yeah. it's okay to kill him. Um, right, exactly. Uh, but at the same time, there is, like, that, like, just one line kind of caveat, like, you know, okay, you've just watched this extremely bloody action movie, you know, and I, I think all the shooting's over, but, like, you know... Like, by the way, like, those were people. Right. Okay. <laughs> you know, moving on. Roll credits. Yeah, it, it, it's, it is both something that I love about the movie, but it also is a really interesting, I mean, interesting and I think kind of problematically manipulative way for the film to sort of say, okay, we're going to let you, you know, enjoy the heck out of all of this, but then tell you, you know, you know but, but, but of course it's not really morally okay. And, you know, I mean, it's sort of a way of having both sides, you know? Yeah, I mean, I kind of think that's brilliant, but... Holy, <laughs> like... sure. You know, to, like, basically sort of get the audience up into a fervor of laugh, rather, like, yeah, yeah, kill him, kill him, kill him. Oh. <laughs> you know. Well, well, here again, I think we're, we're really, you know, getting a debate over what is the, the filmmaker intending. Um, right. But, but getting back to the more general a little bit, okay, so when a filmmaker or a TV show doesn't want us to really worry about the heroes killing people, they they show us that the people deserve to be killed, or that their right. their lives aren't as worthwhile. 
Right, or why, very – no, go ahead. I was just saying, so why is that a problem? What, what's wrong with that? Yeah, well, it's just like easy for people to then see other groups of people, not even – either individual people or groups of people and to basically think like, well, they shouldn't have any rights. Yep. Right? Um, killing them is fine and we don't have to worry about it, you know, and, um, you know, oh, well, we can just bomb that kind of swath of people because, like – you know, some of them are bad and like the rest of them are there too and they know them and they're not stopping them or whatever. And um, so I think it, you know, it's just dehumanizing and mm -hmm. people um, just spend, I think, too much time thinking of other people, not really as people and just as um, like they see one action. You know, people see one action of another person or even one sort of set of behavior, like things, they do this particular type of thing. And so then, like, all of a sudden they're a monster, right. you know, and it's like, well, maybe they're not. Maybe, like, those things that they do that you don't like, maybe those are terrible, horrible, absolutely despicable things, right, that nobody should do and nobody should have happened to them or done to them. But... That doesn't necessarily mean that that's the entirety of that person. And looking at, I, I think the trouble is that people often, they like, in this idea of justice, right? They're thinking like, well, if I, um, and you wrote something on this, right? About um, like Orange is the New Black, yep. I think, right? Where people think if you, dis if you see someone do something horrible and then you think about them as a person and... Maybe even you think about how they ended up becoming the sort of person who does the things they do that you just can't can't abide by, right? Right. Then they think, okay, well, now I have to, like, absolve them for those things they've done, or I have to forgive them, or I, I can't hold them accountable. No, you, you, can st you can look at a person as a whole person and still hold them accountable for the things that they do. The same way when you see someone and they do a bunch of great stuff and then they do something bad or something that you normally might even condemn someone else for, like, they'll be like, oh, yeah, no, 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 that's not, that they didn't really do that. Or, well, here's the excuse or blah, blah, blah. It's like, right. how, no, hold them accountable for that thing, how, you know? How, how long did it take for people to really believe that Bill Cosby wasn't right. just a lovable dad that we'd all seen? And, and I, I, I think I think you're, you're absolutely right. And I, and I again, we're uh, delving into the politics because I think what, what I love so much about these shows is the way they, they, they make us mirror things happening in our real world. To me, that's the essence of what Black Lives Matter is supposed to be about and, yeah. and is about that so many people don't get is it's not saying that they matter more than any other life. It's saying that in the same way, like some of these movies and TV shows work to tell us that a particular group of people aren't as valuable or aren't at their lives don't matter, that we live in a society that has done that with black lives for quite a long time. Um, and yeah, ha, you know yeah. has continued this idea, and so I, I think that's why it's so interesting to get into this this question in the in the movies and TV shows because look at how how is it reinforcing that kind of idea? You know how yeah. is what what's the connection? But and I, I know you want to talk about this, so this would be a good lead in. Like, what's the connection between any of hundreds of movies like Desperado, like John Wick, where people who are only labeled as drug dealers, nothing, mm, that's yeah. all they are. Are, are killed by the dozen in the name of justice and now we've got a national leader in the Philippines who's doing exactly uh, that 
Um, which yeah. uh, do you want to explain? Give a short explanation for those of us who aren't um, right up on the news in, in that part of the world. What what's happening in the Philippines? Right. So uh, the Philippines elected a new um, president, who's both uh, Duterte is his name, right? Um, and it was was like two months ago, and one of his campaign promises was to kill a hundred thousand criminals. Yep. You know, and and the murder rate is is pretty high in in the Philippines, and you know, there's there's violent crime and there's big drug problems. I guess is how people say it. Um, you know, I have a drastically different notion of how to um, deal with you know drug problems in throughout the world um, from I think pretty much what most of the world does. But he said, you know, he's been called the Trump of the Philippines uh, yep. or or the Punisher. I mean, people call him pun- the Punisher. Yeah, you that, know? that literally is a title referring to yeah. the, the comic book and, and now um, uh, uh, Daredevil character. Right. Um, so he he said, I will kill 100,000 um, criminals in my first year in office. Like, And that was a campaign promise. And two months in, he's killed like 2,400 people you know and by killed i mean what what he's done is he's sent basically sent in death squads right like like told the police okay you can go and just shoot these people like you don't have to give them warrants you don't have to bring them in calling him the punisher is very literal it is these are groups of people doing exactly what the punisher wants to do right exactly and then he said if you see you know a drug dealer um fleeing you know, from the police, um, you know, shoot them. Like, I will, basically, I'll back you up. I've got your back. And it's basically exactly like, you know, the, the parallel to Trump is when he was like, you know, if you see someone protesting or whatever, punch him in the face and I'll cover your legal bills, right? right. Um, except here, Duterte's like, no, take a gun and shoot them. Right. And, you know, and like, you'll be good. Like, I'm not gonna, you know, I'll give you a reward, I think he might have said. Um, and the, the disturbing thing is that, you know, I, I have some Filipino friends who, who've made a, a point about you know hey, this is like I mean some who are just like this is really messed up, um, and some were like well this is disturbing but like, from people I've talked to they're like it's working you know yeah. and it's like, well yeah it's working like you've ter- you, you've terrorized a section of, of the population and. Um, and I have heard some disputes on like what the actual number is and whether some of the killings are like drug people versus you know drug dealers versus other drug dealers or whatever, and that the you know the middlemen are kind of like withdrawing, so the the whole sort of drug economy is collapsing in a way. But the other thing though is it's like, well, so first of all, it's disturbing that there are a lot of people who seem to really kind of be okay with it, right? You know, um, and the. the you know, there are many reasons this is disturbing. You know, one is that it's just there's there's an element of that sort of very human sense of like, well, that's what they deserve, right? right. Um, there's another disturbing, you know, aspect to it, which is like, well, yeah, we're taking away people's rights, but it's what we have to do to like make the world safe, which, right? Which interestingly, I mean, how many of the movies and TV shows that we talk about is there some element of like, of like, look, yeah, let this one, you know villain have all the power he'll make us all safe i mean that's right that's what so many of these stories are about and 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 what remind us of why what this guy is doing is so terrifying 
Right, like in theory, that's Hydra's plan, right? In Winter Soldier, they're like, yeah, we're just going to kill the people who are going to upset the balance of, you know, uh, of power and, like, let us rule over everyone, and then everybody will be safe, you know? And great, hail Hydra. <laughs> but, like, you know, um, the the other, what was it? There was one more thing. Oh, yeah, the other thing that's disturbing is if you're like, all right, well, if you see a drug dealer or a drug user, I think, also, like, you can just kill them. Like, then you can just kill anyone and be like oh yeah yeah, they're they're dealing drugs you know i found this dime bag on them and And i'm sure people are doing that and we see i mean like that was a big thing that happened you know in in soviet russia on in Mm -hmm. under communism under Mao, right and to some extent you know during the red scare i I don't know if it happened under mccarthyism though i imagine it did but certainly in the in the 20s during the first red scare you know if if there was someone who you didn't like and you wanted to get rid of them report them as a communist you know report them as an anarchist um, right, exactly, and then all of a sudden they're dehumanized, exactly. and they don't have rights, and uh, you know. And, and I think that that's the key thing that we're talking about here is that in all of these, what 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 you see is an attempt to sort of say because we can slap this label on a person, you know, it it of drug dealer or of you know Nazi or of Hydra member or whatever. Yeah, or uh, Mexican or Muslim. Yeah, exactly. Um, you want to get Trump about it, you know, or or thug, as happens in our mm-hmm. world today, mm-hmm. you know. That that somehow means that their life is is worth less, and so therefore, our characters don't have to have trouble about kill, and that we don't have to feel bad. You know, it's sort of a way to tell us in the audience, it, it's okay to watch them kill these people because, um, you know, they're, they're not real people. Um, they're right. not fully human. Um, yeah. And and I wanted to talk a little, as you said, I don't want to go go too far into you know, we could spend the whole uh, podcast just talking about the examples of this, but but I want to spend a little time talking about kind of. If we sort of see a hierarchy of value of lives uh, in the in the Marvel world or in, in yeah. these worlds in general, um, who are the people that are at the top of like the the most killable, the ones we have the oh, easiest time? Right. Um, so because I, I I think to, to me I would say it's Nazis, robots, and clones. You know those are the ones who robots and clones because we don't really fully see them as human. Uh, well, I mean maybe not well, at all. Um, and and Nazis because they're just sort of the worst of right. the worst of humanity. Yeah, well, I I'd say I mean I don't totally disagree on on Nazis. I mean I think that's a good point, but I think that um, really I think robots and aliens mm. and then like the undead, yeah, you know, are kind of the three big categories of like that ain't human, you know, right. like and and those are so so the, you know the difference being like in. If you look at the Marvel movies and compare them to television or compare them to um, – so, like, let's look at three things, right? One, you have, like, kind of kids' animation for TV. Yep. Right? Which um, I've watched, a, like, a bunch of different X-Men series, and they pretty much all do this. Uh, the DC's Justice League series does it extensively. Um, a lot of series do this where – they want the heroes, particularly when it's like a team, they want them to be able to fight a bunch of people and destroy them. I mean, if you have a character and you give them lasers coming out of their eyes, yeah. right, whether it's Superman or Cyclops, like, you have to give them enemies that they can just explode, I, right? I and, mean, Iron Man, I don't think, has a single non-lethal weapon in, in, in his suit, you know? Right, right. He doesn't have, like, you know, grappling things and batarangs and whatever. He's got, you know... Um, Machine guns and missiles. Yeah, and I mean, War Machine's an even bigger example of that, right? <laughs> sure. Um, but so it, with, 
you know, with in the kids' TV realm, you can't just take humans and dehumanize them and have the characters killing them. They they won't do that. So if they blow up a plane, someone will parachute out of it, or they'll give them some kind of crazy technology that they can destroy, and then the person can eject, or they'll have them fighting robots aliens or in some cases undead but undead actually is even more human than like robots and aliens it's like oh these are bad aliens from outer space we can kill them right you know and oh they're robots we can just destroy them it's no big deal right they're just programmed um so like they do that in television then the far other end of the spectrum to me is and by television i mean like animated kind of kids oriented although like not just for kids um the far other end of the spectrum is like Marvel, Netflix, right, right, um, Daredevil, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, where where Jessica you really Jones. see the characters wrestle with this question of should they kill or shouldn't they? Right, exactly, and and um, I mean it's interesting because like Daredevil is very much like I don't want to kill this guy, but I feel like maybe I have to, and like I really do like hurting people, but like I don't like that I like hurting people. I feel right. guilty about it, right? Um, and then Jessica Jones is more like oh, I want to kill this guy, but I'm not going to because he, you know, there's this leverage kind of situation where I want to be able to prove that he did this thing so I can get this other person acquitted. And then when that's no longer a thing, she's just like, yeah, I guess I'll just kill him, you know? Well, I think, um, I, I think it, for her, it's not just that it's what she wants to do, but she makes the, the point with, with some, some good reason that mm-hmm. he might be the person who just can't be contained by the, by the criminal justice system because of his power to influence people. Uh, right, although they do find a way to mitigate that, right? Isn't right. that actually – that's a plot point. So I, I – th- honestly – okay, so – We could debate so, the specifics there, but yeah, just, just pointing out it's one what, other reason there. But I, I think your, yeah. your point is definitely well made of that, that I think those are the two ends of the spectrum. Um, right. I, I might even put – oh, go ahead. Oh, just in the middle is like the movies. Yeah. You know, where like they can kill people, but like the people have to be kind of dehumanized and there can't be a bunch of blood – so it has to be this kind of like, eh, and to me, in terms of like the sort of the impact on um, sort of people's worldview, I think the movies are by far the worst right? in that regard, right? Because it's like, while I actually think like maybe we should treat robots and aliens like people, like I think we should treat wolves like people, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, but I, I certainly think that if you're going to have your main characters bumping people off, like it's it's probably better if you at least take a minute to be like, to either be like, oh shit, that's a lot of blood, you know, (laughs) where it's like, and then this thing about Desperado is like, you know, it's not like he's killing people and they're magically like turning into dust or something or whatever. It's like, it's like gruesome. And there's, I think there's an extent to which like you can be like, yeah, yeah, go. But it's like, also it's like, Ooh, you know, and there's like that visceral reaction. I mean, it's almost making you, ask yourself why am i enjoying the gruesomeness right exactly whereas you know when when you shoot a nazi with an energy weapon or or even a bullet and they just fall over dead but like you don't really see them like things spilling out of them or whatever or like a lot of blood um and you see iron man kill a whole bunch of people who yeah they're holding hostages like i think that's a perfectly fine time to kill people you know mm-hmm. like they have guns to other people's heads and if the only real way that you can keep them from killing those other people is to kill those people like okay you know have at it but but i think sort of the the fact that that's not even that there's like no 
exploration beyond that um or no exploration of that at all right oh sure. um, I, I mean i i always loved that in in again huge huge spoilers here but in, yeah. in one of the in the first season of daredevil where our characters spend so much time wrestling with this idea of should i kill people or shouldn't i um if i'm remembering correctly the first or at least certainly one of the first times we see a quote-unquote good guy kill someone is when Karen um, yeah. shoots Kingpin's uh, associate, whose name I forget. Um, but and and I mean, this is a situation where he is, you know, holding her hostage. He is clearly threatening her life. She has every reason to think killing him in self-defense is is pretty darn justified. And yet, we still see the character pretty emotionally fucked up by having taken another human life. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was so wonderful because that's what the movies never show us, you know? And, right. And because and, and it, it doesn't make as good a story, but because then the audience has to feel bad about being like, yeah, look at those Hydra guys get shot. Um, I'm making lots of hand gestures you can't see here. <laughs> um, but I, I think you're right. I think there's something really interesting and, and really kind of problematic there when instead of sort of engaging with the idea that, that, maybe killing people is what's necessary but it's not a good thing they just instead say well no but it's okay these these people's lives don't matter right yeah and yeah so i think when when karen shoots wesley wesley um, thank you first of all that scene was just awesome to begin with yeah. but then the whole kind of fallout from it which lasts i mean it's not over at the end of season 1 like that's something that's that she's still dealing with oh, into yeah. season two, and and that is a really, and it's I part think of, really part of why yeah. she has some sympathy for the Punisher. I think, yeah, she totally, feels like totally, the Punisher totally. gets her, right? And yeah, and I mean, I I I think she also sort of sees the Punisher as a little bit of a like she gets the Punisher, and she kind of sees like, well, I can't say what he's doing is wrong, or then I'm saying what I did was wrong, you know, which isn't necessarily really fair to her but because right. i mean like she was probably going to get killed if she didn't you know pick up the gun and and, and shoot him it, it was very much kind of like a killer be killed situation so it seems like it would be one of the easiest places to really deal with killing someone but it's very very real um that it would still be very hard to deal with it and the fact that they show her struggling with that um I think is is powerful, and it 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 provides a great counterpoint to kind of Daredevil's str- internal struggle of like, well, you know, if I can I beat this guy using the law, even if I step right. outside it to apprehend him or whatever, you know, can I um, get the law to arrest him and actually deal with him? And I mean, you know, it's funny because like maybe the answer is no, right? Because like <laughs> clearly he's probably going to show up again in another season. It's like how many times does Joker get out of jail and and do stuff? And you know these are super villains, right? right. They're not you know or uh, arch villains or whatever. They're they're not like real world people. Um, but even even though some of them you know like I'd say Kingpin definitely feels in that series like a real person. Um, and they do they show us his backstory, right? right. They show us kind of how he became him. How he became the guy that we look at as the villain in this series, and who clearly sees himself as the hero. And I mean, I didn't have any problem understanding him and feeling like, wow, that's really a human there, and still being like, I want him to lose. You know? Exactly. And I think that's in some ways what what 
what the story does is it mirrors what Daredevil goes through is that what Daredevil would need to do and he said he pretty much says this to his priest is that the way he justifies killing people is by only seeing them as the criminal the drug dealer the the kingpin you know I mean just that whole idea of is this kingpin or is this Wilson Fisk I right. think it's such – like I, I almost never think of him as Kingpin. I think of him as yeah. William, William uh, Wilson Fisk. Um, yeah. And that whole idea of you know giving them a name instead of that, that title, it, it drives home what Daredevil is wrestling with is these people are dangerous. These people are bad and, and these people maybe have done things that make me feel like they should be punished in a sense of justice. Yeah. But to kill them, I have to ignore their humanity. Um, right. And I'd say that there's an extent to which season one is about Wilson Fisk. Yeah. And that when he gets out of jail, he'll be kingpin. You know yeah. what I mean? Or actually, even in jail, I think he, he gets, they start calling him kingpin, right? Or right. Um, there's some, I don't know. I, I don't remember the details. Um, but basically, that that is kind of when he really becomes that character. You know, I mean, he is who he is, right? But he there's a transformation there where... You know, he's like, I was trying to save this city, which is really a neighborhood, but whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then, you know, then he's like, screw it. You know, I'm right. going to go full villain now. And um, and so that is so, you know, in a way, Daredevil turned Wilson Fisk into Kingpin. Right. But but he still was that, you know, villainous, like the, the way that we might look at people who, um, you know, real estate developers who who destroy neighborhoods by, you know, various means and. You know, that that um, not all real estate developers, but, you know, the ones who kind of go in and are like, oh, this is a poor neighborhood. Let's evict these people. Oh, let's yeah. tear down I mean, these buildings. Let's, you, you know, build a Starbucks. And, you know, you, you want to find a group of people in today's like liberal political world who it's pretty easy to say they have a, has a lower level of humanity. <laughs> um, gentrifying yuppies, you know, I right, mean, that's, right, right. Yeah, that's low down. Um, and, and just pulling, but, it, pulling it back to the to where, where we started with what else is on that list, you know. I, I, and I think you a few times, but me especially, I, I'm aware that I keep using the word humanity. That was yeah. taken away mm. from these things, that, that the way you make someone's life seem less valuable is by taking away their humanity. Um, and, and inherent in that is the idea that human lives are more valuable than um, animal lives or you know alien lives or robot lives. Right. Um, and and uh, I'm going to ask you about the animal in a second, but let's start just with human, uh, robot, and alien. Like, what do you think is going on there that, that sort of lets us say, well, you know, these are Chitauri, so who cares that we're killing them, you know, by the hundreds or thousands? Or uh, all of um, – what, what's the name of the, the mega robot in Avengers 2? I didn't like that movie in our – Ultron. Remember. Ultron, thank you. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I just really earned my credibility in the eyes of the audience. Um, yeah, that, but, you know, all, yeah that, was, that was a good moment for you. <laughs> <laughs> all of Ultron's drones, you know, killing them is – they're just machines. There's, there's no right. thought there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with like robots or se- semi. Well, and they all are Ultron. Each one of them is like a piece of him, really. Right, but but I thought you know, like in, some way, in some in some ways that was a that was perfectly done by the by the authors then of that's you know perfect way to guarantee that you can kill everything and everybody with them having no moral weight whatsoever. Right, um, but but like let's take oh, instead yeah. like aliens like the Chitauri or some of the other aliens that show up in the Marvel universes. Um, where where is their moral weight for us? Right. So, so first of all, I would actually just to give a little bit more credit to Age of Ultron, uh, which I know I liked infinitely more than you did. This is um, correct. But uh, the scene where Vision kills the last physical incarnation of Ultron. Yes. 
actually is very much um, respecting his intelligence, humanizing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but um, Vision. I mean, they are the same sort of life form in a broad sense, right? Right. Uh, They came to be in in the same basic process, and so there's a like there's a there's a an empathy there between the two of them and uh i i think that's sort of a powerful moment and it it's i think it speaks a lot to sort of the idea that you know humans don't see a robot as a human right right but to, to me i i kind of prefer the word person in a way because because human is species specific right right like a robot is not a human. An alien is not a human. You know, a wolf is not a human. But like, you could use the word person to describe any of them. Like, my cat was a pretty cool person. You know, <laughs> like that—that that is like a reasonable thing to say. That I think a lot of people would be like, yeah, okay. But <laughs> you know, for yeah. me, that it's not—it's not saying it's a human. It's like obviously a different species. Yeah. But in Certainly terms of personality, Thor, you know, we got along a lot better than some people. Thor and Loki are both people. Right, Even exactly. Even not humans. Yeah, um, they're not humans. They're Asgardians, you know. Though I think, but but I mean, because to me, I so I I will grant you. I think you're you're very right about um, Ultron. Um, I mean, I still think it's a bad movie, but you're right about there, there's sure. a, there's a moral scene there, yeah. and and that sure. that vision. In some ways, maybe you could say that both of them are. I don't want to even say artificially created lives because right. I mean there is a <laughs> process by which all life is created. Um, but but they're still. I mean, they are created in a way that is distinctly different than most other life is created, um, and so there's a way they connect to each other. Um, but in the alien aspect, I mean, one thing I see all the time, and I, it's the 50th anniversary just yesterday, so um, I want to really give a credit to Star to Star Trek, which did a fantastic job explain, exploring this question. But a lot of other shows don't. An alien generally seems to have a lot more moral value if they look a lot more like us, you know? Oh, totally, yeah. You know, Thor and Loki, I mean, A, they're both gorgeous men, and so that's what, you know, that, that they get that <laughs> appeal to be sure. But also, I mean, they look human, just supersized. Um, right. The Chitauri look like, you know, alien lizard people. Yeah, um, the Chitauri look like undead robot aliens. Like, they're really weird. They did so much to say, like, these people are... Just look at them. They're monsters, yeah. you know? Yeah, they, they're not people. Like, they're not presented as people in any kind of, you know, way that they, they, they do, you, you know, what, what you're saying, basically. Like, they're, they create the largest barrier to empathy that they can in Avengers, I think, so that the Avengers can just smash as many of them as possible, as the budget will allow. As <laughs> Pretty much. Time, you know, as our, as our attention spans will allow us to enjoy. Um, and, you know, I mean, yeah, like, that's a good move. You know, it, it lets them get a PG-13 rating and lets people go like, oh, that's hilarious when they drive the scale into the back with the hammer and Hulk and then he hits him. And, you know, but it's like at the same time, it's like, man, like, if you ripped off, like, like if you ripped off someone's arm and, like, shoved it down their throat, yeah. like... That that's pretty disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true, and I and I'll say a, a market count. And I think what Avengers does is is definitely more common. You know, generally you can yeah. tell who the bad guys are based on how you know if there's a good alien and a bad alien, the bad one is the one who looks least like us or who totally. looks scary. Um, yeah. What Star Trek, as I said, did some good examples on this, but I think far and away the best is um, you've never seen much Doctor Who, have you? 
No, I watched one episode. Um, I, I'm not a huge fan, but I definitely have watched a lot of it and enjoy a lot of it. And one of the things that they do is they introduce a race of creatures called the Ood. Um, O-O-D. Um, and when you first see them, they look like, you know, tentacle monsters out of a Lovecraftian horror story. Right. I mean, they just look like terrifying tentacle monster things. Right. Shoggoths. Yeah. They're actually some of the most friendly, lovable, like, I mean, Doctor Who, like, one of his favorite lines yeah. is, oh, an Ood, love an Ood, you know? Um, right. That was my horrible attempt at an accent to measure three different... That- um, that was? <laughs> no, it wasn't. Um, I'm kidding. Um, move along. Oh. I'm making the Jedi Nation. This isn't the accent you're looking for. Move along. No, like um, it just sounded like your normal voice to me. Okay, well, good. Because um, I, yeah, I think I decided not to do the accent and wasn't sure if I backed off the ramp in time. But the point is, it, it's, it's, I think, a great, it's a great example of highlighting this idea of why is it that we think that, like, looking like us means that you're morally okay? Right. Certainly because that says that humans are – like how many other alien species out there are like, oh my god, it's the humans. Those those creatures are terrifying. Right. Um, you know, because we're not really <laughs> the best people in the world. Yeah. Um, but but also just – there's something really interesting there about one easy way to, to lower a race's moral um, uh, you know, category is to make them look scary. Yeah, well, I mean that's basically – I don't want to say that's what racism's entirely about, but that's like it is a lot know, of it, though. It's like there's this. It's like there's a sense sense that I think most people have that people more like them, right, mm-hmm. are easier to relate to. And the most obvious, particularly when something's on screen, it's like the most obvious way that you can make someone either immediately relatable or immediately unrelatable is by making them look more like the viewer right right and and so that i think that's that certainly plays a huge role in um i mean in terms of like just racism in real life but also in um in film and uh i would like to just uh, a quick like marvel netflix point um slash like black lives matter um which you know i think if like everybody like heard the implied two at the end like the whole like argument over like anyway oh, um, oh, oh that, that black lives matter as well or black lives yes, matter as exactly. much as every yeah not alive. like the sequel yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> no but i think that's exactly yeah. right i think that's yeah. you know all these idiots who say black lives don't matter all lives matter you know the, the response right. is to say the, the whole reason of black lives matter is to say right now all lives don't matter, and that's right, the whole right, problem. Exactly. Um, yeah. And, and, I, and I, I think, to me, I think you're exactly. Oh, go, go ahead. I, I want to say. Well, something. I just wanted to say, like, as a vegan, you know, <laughs> if someone wants to be like, well, all lives matter. Like, okay, okay, <laughs> you're a vegan, right? Like, or at least a vegetarian. Like, uh, you know, like, you know, like, I feel like if that's going to be anyone's hashtag, that's mine, bitch. <laughs> you know. I, I think you got a good point there. Um, well, and so anyway. I, I, I want to get back onto the – well, I, in a second – oh, yeah. in a second I want to say more about the, um, the the connection between making aliens look different uh, and, right. and racism. Um, yeah. but, but I do want to uh, go a little deeper on this. You've mentioned the, the, the wolves thing a couple of times. Um, yeah. Talk, talk about that because I do think – I mean I, I am a meat eater, but I'm someone for whom like conscious ethical eating of meat is, is an important thing. And certainly when I hear people say like – well, I, I, I eat fish because I can't eat cute animals. 
um, that that makes right. me want to smash things. Um, well, so, 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 so I, I, there's an interesting thing here about how we value animal lives. That's a part of what is killable and what's not. And I know you have you you've been talking about this wolf thing. So let, let me yeah go into that. Okay, so first of all, my dad used to say, for a while he was like a pescatarian, right? Yep. Which is basically a, an ixto-lacto-avo-vegetarian who eats fish and, you know, and dairy and eggs, but not, uh, probably not chicken and not, definitely no red meat, right? Um, and he used to say, I, <laughs> I won't eat anything that... I think he said I won't eat anything that has a face, but I think he also said I won't eat anything that I can talk to. Right. You know, and and for me, when people ask, like I became a vegetarian when I was five, you know, yeah. and then I gradually eliminated dairy and other animal products to the point where I was just like, all right, I guess I'm a vegan, you know, because, um, uh, you know, that's the word for that. But for me, when people are like, well, why don't you eat meat? I'm like, because animals are my friends. I don't eat my friends. Right. You know, which um, which is which has been a, a point of of safety for many of your friends when when we were having conflict. But go right, on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's it's good to know about your friends that they won't eat you. But you know, I mean, just I don't know. As a kid, I I grew up with animals. You know, my my mom had a dog and a cat that she'd had for a long time. They were really old, and then um, after they both died at like 18 or 19 years old, um, we got this cat that they found on the street and I named her uh, Paul Christopher Hoppy Cat which uh, <laughs> I think showed both my early rejection of gender norms and uh, my budding narcissism <laughs> I, I knew you back then budding is the wrong word but go on no this is when I was three. Oh, okay never mind yeah, <laughs> actually, yeah. So, yeah no no you you knew me when I was I was fully a fully realized narcissist okay. but, um, but no and I mean, she was my best friend, you know I mean? I had other human friends, like, who were also my best friends. You right. know, I mean, I had, I, through my life, I'd say, out of the things that I consider myself most fortunate for, it's of having a number of people with whom, like, my relationship, I'd say, would qualify as, like, best friend for most right. people, you know, a number of really, really good friends. But, like, she was kind of like my first best friend, you know, that, like, she would sleep on my bed, and, like, we'd just hang out, and... You know, one time I was, I woke up and I was getting to get up out of bed and she swatted at me with a paw. And I was like, what the, what? <laughs> like, and then I sat down and then I started to get up again and she swatted at me again. So then I sat down and then she like, you know, like we just hung out. Uh -huh. I was like, oh, I guess you're like, don't get up. You know, which I mean, you know, you could say is kind of abusive or like very bossy. But, you know, the point is, is like, I see... You know, obviously it's easy with, like, cats and dogs, right? Right. Who are, like, very personable animals, but, um, or can be. But to me, like, you know, animals are people, too. And and so, like, I don't eat them and um, all that. But also just, to me, it's like the idea of treating another species like it's so different just because it's a different species. And, like, there's a lot of other humans I can't talk to. Right? right, because we don't speak the same language, but I can gesture and and we can like not kill each other, um, and so I feel like, yeah, humans are able to digest animals and all that, but at you know the place we are in the world now, it, it's like the same way humans don't need to be making war for territory and food and all these things 
out of anything other than basically greed or fear. Right. Right. I just feel the same way about about animals. It's like, look, we've technologically evolved past the point where this is something we need to do for survival. You know, like thousands of years ago or like, yeah, if you're on a desert island or whatever, like like I said before, um, you know, the thing I just said about about friends notwithstanding like if i had to kill everyone i ever knew in order to survive like i would do it and i would eat them if i had to <laughs> you know <laughs> but like these are not positions not necessarily endorsed live. by this podcast but go ahead <laughs> right, yeah yeah well you know it's it's a personal choice but it's <laughs> you know the point is is it's like that when people come up with these like well what if you are on this island and blah 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 it's like yeah but i'm, I'm not on i'm on islands i mean right. i don't even live in manhattan anymore but it's like you know, that's it's like the world we live in. I think we can look around and and just make decisions based on, like, what's actually going on. And, yeah, and, and I think I think what you get at there is is the kind of reasoning that we're wi- sort of wishing to see more from these characters. Because like you and I have over twenty years of friendship, ha- had conversations about this quite a lot. I, yeah. I I am a meat eater, and I I I see a lot of you know I I disagree with a lot of where, where what you were just talking about. But but I I what I can see for both of us is. This is an issue that we are really thinking about and we're wrestling with in terms of what is the moral weight we give to animal life as opposed to human life. Um, and I, I think that's the point you said about the the to me saying that we're not going to relate to animal life, we're not going to value animal life because we can't relate to it, is where it, it, it to me goes completely off the rails. Because in that I totally agree with you, and that I think, right, right, like. Yeah. Um, I recently saw a movie that um, I, I can't say was in any realm of good, um, but but was interesting to this one point called Jupiter Ascending. Um, it, it's a sci-fi movie based on a book, I believe. Um, like I said, it's it's mildly entertaining, not a great movie, but um, one of the uh, spoilers for Jupiter Ascending. One of the <laughs> major one of the major plot points is that there's this other race of creatures who raise humans um, as yeah. a as a not even as a meat source. But is a source basically of a beauty product, um, which sounds awesome. Yeah, it, that's it, so good. It makes that's so us, much better than just eating you. <laughs> I know, and it makes you know your first reaction is to be like, "Oh my gosh, that's the most horrible, terrible thing in the world." Right. And at one point, one of the aliens says to one of the humans, "But but don't you do that with lower species? Yeah. Like to them, humans are you know we've certainly you know we use." Uh, blubber from whales for years was a, a skin product, and we, you know we 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 make um, soap out of horses and things like that. Um, yeah, and test things on all sorts of you know. Exactly, ideas. and and this other alien race is just saying, you have a chain of of moral value. We have a chain of moral value. What's the right. problem? Um, so yeah, I, I think, and that's it, it, to me that's one more way that that we can say, oh, here, here's an easy way to, to devalue you know the life. Um, mm-hmm. And, and and so I'm glad we got into that. And the other thing I wanted to say about um, – because going back a few steps to the thing about, you know, when aliens can become less, you know, killable. First of all, one of them is if they look like not if – they, if they look like an animal, you know, if they're lizard men or if they're fish right. men or, you know, if they're if, – uh, dog men or cat men are a little less killable, I think, because those are animals we like more. Um, right, right. You know, but and if they're a cute half animal looking alien, then that's different than kind of a, a scary looking kind exactly. of animalish alien. Exactly, exactly. Um, but, and I think that that's the key that I was going to get at is you were saying that um, you know one of the best ways that the uh, makers of a, a show or movie can tell us it's okay to kill something is by making them not relatable to us. 
I think that's a big part of it, but I also think part of it is making us afraid of them. You know, and this is where it ties yeah. so much into racism is that the you know, if if you make us afraid of something, then killing them becomes justified. And there is so much evidence that, you know, a lot of uh you know, in World War Two when we wanted we didn't want our soldiers to have that moral reaction of you know, that Karen has of taking a human life in combat. Right. Propaganda was created to show that the Japanese were not really human. They were these yeah. scary, hulking, barbarian types, you know, and right. Germany, you know, every side in the war used propaganda like that because yeah. if you're afraid of something, then it's, it has less moral value. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I think fear and hate, like, really kind of go hand in hand there where... Um, but also just, it, I mean, if you're afraid of something, it, it gives you this, I mean, it can create this sense of, like, you know, me or them, right? right? Like, someone's going to die, it's not going to be me. Right. And if you're just, like, if you are if you don't have the same level of fear, which obviously, you know, I mean, if they have a gun and you have a gun, it's like, yeah, that's that's probably what's going to happen there, well, right? But, 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 but no, I mean, what you just said, I think, is a perfect example, because we started by saying, you know, Karen Page, you know, she, 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 she feels what we think is a justifiable fear for her life, so yeah. we justify her killing, you know? Right. And and in a lot of situations, you know, to, to take the example we keep going to, you know, cops can say, look, I, I really had a fear for my life, and so that's why I shot that person. But but when you look at the fact that it seems far more often cops fear for their lives when, when dealing with a black person than with a white person, you know, that's when you start to say, so how how is that fear, you know, affecting things and how much is the, is the word legitimate fear doesn't really make sense but you know how how much is this fear no. based in the situation versus fear based in larger factors I, I don't I don't think I mean okay legitimate fear like maybe that's not the best way of phrasing it uh-huh. but I think like justified fear you know justifiable yeah. like I think that's a legitimate concept of you know you can be afraid of something with good reason or you can be afraid of something without good reason right and those are two very different things right um and when you're afraid of something with good reason then you can i mean if like being afraid of something with good reason to me would be having a rational concern for a negative outcome basically right based on a situation or or whatever whereas an irrational fear which you know, you could say that fear itself is irrational, but that you can have uh, a concern of a negative outcome that's not based on any real um, rational process or, or real information or accurate information. Right. So, and, and I think know, that this can get into some pretty tricky, tricky waters because, you know, I might be able to, as an outsider, look at a situation and say that person didn't have a justifiable fear. You know, but but because I don't know their experience, maybe you know. So it it is hard to judge. But I think I, I yeah, I think we're on the same page that there is there, there's a value in saying how much if you are acting out of fear, how much of that is because of you know the exact situation you're in, and how much is it because this person's black, so therefore I am afraid of them, or this person is you know whatever, and so therefore that's that's increasing my fear level. Right. Well, it's I mean to me it's there's the perception of risk, and then there's actual risk, and. Mm-hmm. In order to assess actual risk, I, I guess we're all attempting to perceive what the risk is, but we can do that by attempting to apply, you know, reason or somebody can, it's just like, 
like the Florida stand your ground law. That's like, if you feel afraid, if you feel threatened, it's like, well, that's not, that's not any, anybody could feel threatened like at any time right? for, for any reason. You know, they, they like, if they see, you know, someone with like, uh, you know, a, a, a blue bonnet, they could have like, well, what if when they were a kid, they, they went to see this play and there was this character with a blue bonnet who was actually like a, <laughs> a mass murderer and like this is terrorizing and they had nightmares and then like they, one of their parents like was really sadistic and like wore a blue bonnet and beat them and then, you know, then when they're adults, it's like, okay, well that's all in the past but then they see someone on the street with the blue bonnet and they attack them. It's like, well, I felt threatened. And it's like, well, okay, we can understand like how this particular person with this absolutely ridiculous backstory um, that I just <laughs> made up on the spot like got to that point where we understand why they're yeah, afraid. You, you do, right? why you they do realize you just right. cost us the, the ability of ever being sponsored by a blue bonnet maker. So you just lost us that, that sponsorship money. I, I want you to recognize. Well, yes. <laughs> Isn't there a blue bonnet? Um, it's not like a... Ice cream cup? Yeah, maybe that's Blue Bunny. I don't know. Anyway, whatever. But, but no, I, I, think, I, can, I, I can live with that. <laughs> I, I think that, that two pennies over the next ten years is, is your fault. But I think you're exactly right. And here, look at this. I'm going to praise um, Ultron. Um, I think that's, oh. that, that's something that that movie actually captures well is that, you know, because basically what we're talking about there is PTSD of, of various yeah. kinds. You know, oh, and, yeah, Tony, yeah. And, and Tony has... I think in some ways what we could call a pretty legitimate fear certainly has a very legitimate reason to be very afraid but yes. then both Ultron and to an extent Civil War are in large part movies about Tony and other people like Tony being willing to go to incredible lengths that in a lot of ways seem really problematic based on that fear you know and in uh, Suicide Squad which I just wrote about um, yeah. in, in an earlier article to me, that's part of what makes Amanda Waller such a fantastic character because mm -hmm. she's doing things that in the end we might say, ooh, I, I'm really not okay with that, but she's doing it because she's afraid. And right. after watching Suis Superman and Zod blow up a city fighting with each other and then Superman die, I, I don't really know if, you know, can we really blame her for being afraid? Um, right. Yeah, no, I don't think we can blame her for being afraid. I think we can... Uh, criticize her response or her her actions that she took based on that fear, you right. know. And and, 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 and getting back to the, to the main topic, I think so that becomes again the like, okay, so you know, is killing someone because you're afraid of them legitimate? Well, well, probably not, but but it's a good way to get the audience to sort of forget about that. Right. Yeah. For for sure. It. You know. Um, I mean, yeah. I think definitely not. Like, I I think. Well, okay. If I think someone's going to kill me, and I think the only way I can stop them from doing that is to kill them, like I'm, that's what I'm going to do, you know. And someone else might not make that choice, but but if the reason I think someone's going to kill me is a totally irrational thing, then that I don't then then that doesn't make my my action is not is no longer justifiable, right? right. If if there's an irrational reason for having that fear and it's and, and, and yeah go ahead I, I was gonna say well, just i just want to say there's a difference between like understandable and justifiable and like oh we don't need to hold you accountable for it sure i mean like to me in, in you know i i think that the people of earth being afraid of unchecked superheroes is an understandable right. fear, and given what I've been yeah, I agree. given what I've been reading about, you know, what's happening in the Philippines, I think 
being afraid that that the drug dealers and and the criminal you know the the criminality that is happening is quite literally like putting the lives of everyone in danger. I think that's a legitimate fear. But in yeah. both cases, I think that that, that that's to me that where it becomes important to ask like just because the fear is legitimate, what does that mean? You know? And right. And, it doesn't mean that any response to it is also legitimate. Right. I, yeah. Well, and, and so let's, and I, I, we've already gone a while, so I don't want to take too much longer, but I do want to explore just a couple more examples of this. We, we talked about kind of robots oh, can, and, oh, go ahead. Can I just throw in like two points that I had hanging? Sure. Um, one was when I brought up the Marvel Netflix and like reference Black Lives Matter. Uh-huh. It was, uh, I guess, spoiler alert. <laughs> Like, don't be a wise old black dude in a Marvel Netflix series. Oh, it is so dangerous. It is really and, unfortunate. Yeah, and it's it's just like, you know, it, it, black characters just get killed off more often. Yep. You know, and I, that's, you know, it, it's, I think it's pretty clear, like, what the reasons are for that. And I, um, I, I, just wanna I, say- I really hope in Luke Cage there's, like, a wise old white dude and, like, he gets knocked <laughs> off. And it's like, you know... Just, just make it even, you know? We, it's we, fine. You can kill some wise old people like Obi-Wan Kenobi or whatever. You know, but... after years of the really problematic magic Negro stereotype, let's have a magic yeah. honky. You know? Like, right, that's yeah. what we need. What? Well, you know? And, and I, I want to just say on that, um, there was a panel, and I, I think I, I wrote about this on the blog. I certainly uh, tweeted about it a while ago. But I went to a panel that was done by um, black activists talking about comic books and superheroes and the like. And I, I brought up a question about Civil War, and, and there was a lot of great responses, but one of the best, I thought, was she said, listen, like, you know, a major plot point of that movie is that the whole world stops and notices because ten people from a fictional, very rich, very African country have been killed. Right. And that if those ten people were from Senegal or Sierra Leone or any other country that doesn't have the military and the finances and the economic power that the fictional country of Wakanda has, that that never happens, you know? Like, that, that I thought that was such an... Like, um, you know, her point was like, look, we have to basically make up a country in order to, like, imagine the idea that deaths of African lives could mean this much to the world. Yeah, um, totally. And, um, and, you know, similarly, it's like the whole like basically all of Sokovia gets destroyed right yep. in Ultron and like that only is like really a big deal because like some of them were American yep and like you know and yeah so I, I thought it was cool that they made like you know the woman who in the comics is so annoying oh oh <laughs> wow um but in the film like she was fine you know she goes and she gives the the um you know the picture to to Tony Stark about of her kid, and you're saying the, the person whose son died in Segovia. Yeah, yeah, right. in Segovia. Um, who who you know, and her you know she's black. Her son's black, right? And and that was a that was a change they made. It was like it was just this random kid, um, you know, with like a, like a kid. I think it was like a, a school kid, um, you know, and it's like a white mom in in um in the comics. But like in order to like make it. A black mom and a black kid. He had to. What you said? He. he I think like, he, he he would he was going to MIT or yeah. I mean they right. Start, it, and it's that same thing of. You so know, it's like he can't just be like a random black kid, right? Right. <laughs> like he has to be like special. Well, it's the flip side of you know every time we have one of these cop shootings, 
there's a real you know debate in the media about you know do you just portray him as like the thug with with right. quote marks there or do you mention that he was going to college or he was going to and 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 it's problematic on both sides because what it's kind of saying is you know if she had said look my son was you know just bumming around Sokovia and you know getting high with his friends yeah. Somehow that isn't going to matter. That life doesn't matter as much to Tony Stark. Right. He was just backpacking through Sokovia for whatever. No, he was there doing some, like, you know, human aid work, and he was going to, you know, go to college in the fall, yada, 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 or, or whatever it was. And it's like, that's why, like, that's why his life matters. Right. You it's, know? It's all ways to justify that his life matters instead of just saying he, he was a person. His life mattered. Right. Exactly. So what was the second thing you wanted to say? Oh, uh, it was just about ending the drug war instead of, like, killing all the drug dealers or trying to arrest them or, like, have just this nonsense criminal justice system that we have in the United States right now. Like, maybe just end the drug war and, like, spend all that money on, like, treatment. You know, look at it as a addiction, as, as the health problem that it is instead of, you know, a crime to put <laughs> something in your body. I don't know. It's just just a thought that, you know, it'd I've be nice. my life. It, it'd be nice. Certainly one I'm agreeing with you with. Um, so where, what else is on that list you think of? You know, the people who are not quite as killable as aliens, Nazis, robots, right. um, but, are, but are still somewhat killable. All right. So we've got like zombies, right? Yeah. Zombies, I think, are really interesting. Because um, zombies, you remember that they were people. and they often Yeah, were- zombies were people. And, um, and you still see their face, but like they're like a little dirtier or uglier or whatever. Yeah. Or, and <laughs> – Okay, I have a I have a little anecdote. So I, I work crazy hours sometimes, right? Like basically any hour of the day could be the start or the end of a shift. And I walk through kind of the lower part of Hell's Kitchen to get to my bus on my way home um, from 34th Street in Manhattan. And I walk through, you know, I walk about a mile in Union City um, in, in New Jersey in order to get home, right? And... Um, so I, I spend some time walking outside, like when I'm tired and it's like really late or really early, depending on which way you want to look at it. And there've been more than one occasion when I see like, sort of like what's maybe a homeless person or maybe a drug addict or just, you know, just someone who's like really strung out, um, kind of shambling down the street or sometimes like a few people and this one day I just saw it and it was like it was in Manhattan and they were kind of backlit you know mm-hmm. so I didn't really see their faces that well and I was like oh zombie movies are about fear of the homeless they really what? are yeah it's the you know the unwashed they can't communicate with you you know it, it, it's an, exactly it's a complete dehuman, dehumanification um, yeah one yeah, of us no, should I, talk now <laughs> right. Yeah, no, and it's really it, it was kind of like, oh, but like and, and that same idea of like used to be a person, you yeah. know, where it's like obviously homeless people are are people, right? And I've I've had some great conversations when someone, you know, at sometimes I'll just like when people ask for money, I I don't usually have much money or whatever. And like people don't carry cash that much anymore, so yeah. I feel like in a way it must be harder to be homeless and like begging or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, but I'll also often have food on the, on myself, and and I'll be like, well, you know, here's a sandwich. I just bought it, and actually, this one day I'd gotten a sandwich, and the register was broken, uh-huh. so I got it for free. So yeah, and, best way to pay it so back. Walk, 
Yeah, so then I'm walking to work, and this guy is like, you know, do you have any money? Do you have anything? I was like, well, I have this sandwich. I got, you know, I was like, I got it for free. So, like, it might, you know, not that I wouldn't have given it to him anyway, but, um, and so I did, and then we just had this, like, minute-long conversation. I went on my way, and, and he, you know, and it was just this very human interaction. And, like, I always try to make an effort, you know, generally when it's not 3 in the morning. Sure. You know, to, like, look someone in the eye and be like, you know, when, when they're like, when they ask for money and like, I don't say no, sorry, you know, but like, I'll always try to acknowledge like their humanity or their right. personhood. Right. It, and I just think that's important because I think people just walk by them and don't look at them and don't treat them like people. And that just makes everything worse. And, and, um, I, and I think that's a great example because I think I, you know, I, I'd never thought of that, but I think you're right. That's a part of what, you know, zombies tap into is that fear of like the shambling walking, yeah. you know, Slowly, you know, and and also just that the sense of there's so many of them, you know. Right, right, um, exactly. It's this overwhelming like horde, and there's always another, and um, and then that plays into Suicide Squad in a moment, but uh huh. Well, which, yeah, we'll talk about that, yeah. and then I, I want I don't want to get to the flip side of, of Undead, which I think is mind control, but but say talk oh, about Suicide Squad. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Suicide Squad, like, it's funny because you know, worst heroes ever, or bad versus evil, or whatever, you know. Um, the idea being that the main characters are not hero heroes, right, right? right? They're the bad guys. And so the bad guys are the bad guys partially because they just kill people, right? Mm-hmm. Like Harley killed Robin with the Joker. Like Deadshot kills someone right in the beginning of the movie because that's his job. That's what he gets paid to do, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, Killer Croc, I mean Killer Croc, <laughs> eats people, you know? Um Etc. Etc. Like Diablo torched his family. Like they do. They've done some bad things. They don't actually show them doing most of those bad things, which I think is interesting. Um, like I would have rather they just showed them like the bad guys being bad right. instead of being like well, and, and, we need to make the audience just, just because we've gone for a while. I want us to get to the zombie part, but definitely okay, there's a lot so the, in Suicide Squad zombie, we can explore. Yeah. So the the zombie thing is just that they like they don't fight people. But they don't fight aliens or robots. They fight people who used to be people and, like, got turned into these weird squishy face things. But, like, oh, they've got watches. So I, I feel like in that movie they tried to make it really clear that they were killing people who used to be people, who kind of weren't really people. So I feel like they gave the audience kind of, like, you know, feel how you want to about it. You right, know, like... Right yeah, these are the bad guys, so you can be like, oh, they're killing people, that's bad, but, like, they're not really killing people, people, so you can be more okay with it. Like, they were kind of giving the audience permission to, like, kind of play both sides. Um, and I think that's, on the one hand, like, sort of clever, and on the other hand, sucks. So. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think it would have been, there's a potential for something really great there, but but I felt like they, instead of really exploring it, um, the way I, I do think that movie explored some really great things about villainy, um, which yeah. earlier podcasts and blog posts have talked about, and I, I think we're going to explore some more. But yeah, I, I think that was an example where they didn't really go into it as much as they could have. Um, another example, I think, you know, we've talked a lot about um, Daredevil for the most part being awesome because he really sees the humanity of the people he's having to kill. In the second season, they make mm. it easy for him by giving him hordes of nameless, faceless zombie ninjas to fight. Right. You know, I mean, like. One of, the, one of the things that I love in the first season is that almost every one of those people he fights has a name. 
like all of the me- you know the members of Fisk's squad you know all right. the, we hear you know we get little stories about the different Russians in the cab place and like all the guys who are working for the the um, uh, some of the others then in the second season of Daredevil we just start getting wave after wave of just killer sort of undead zombies yeah so in the second season he's still like it's interesting because in the second season he's still like trying not to kill anyone, right? Right. But like, like to the point where he almost gets someone killed to keep them from killing someone who's trying to kill her, which is like, really, dude? Right. Really? You know? And th- and that's sort of where my, you know, I I feel like okay, I really do like how Batman is like, no, I'm not gonna kill people and whatever, but like. That's like in Gotham and in the the things that he faces, it's just it's it's just not the same sort of set of Yeah. I don't know. Like that for some reason in Daredevil that really bothered me in season two. Uh-huh. Where because like they're in this pit, like deep down in the earth, and there's tons of they're surrounded by ninjas, and there's this pit that goes I don't know, like who knows how far down, and he's just suddenly like interceding in you know, I feel like I don't know. So, unless you're wearing some kind of like crazy armor, like if somebody's really trying to kill you, I think it's a really reasonable response to be like, okay, well, you know, sorry, but um, I'm not gonna hold your life in that high regard because you're not holding mine right. in, in any with any regard, right? Um, so it it was more. Like, in the first season, I felt like the way things played out, it set up really reasonable struggles for him about whether or not it's okay to to use lethal force, right? Uh-huh. But the way the second season was set up, just, like, logistically, that it, really didn't work for me, no, even though... I, I think you're onto something there, and I think part of it is, I think, what I was saying before, which is that I, I do think part of why that feels so weird is because those people haven't been humanized in any way. You know, it feels easier to kill them. Oh right, but but I do think you're also right the self defense part, and I also think and, and and this was covered in a in a much earlier blog post, but I think is relevant here. There there's there's a bit of deceit happening when a character like Daredevil says, "I'm not going to kill people, I'm just going to smash a metal rod into their head very hard, yeah. or I'm going to throw them head first into a brick wall, right? Or I'm, I mean like." I, I forget what it is exactly he does to the big bad at the end of season two, but I think it involves throwing him off a wall with a chain around his neck, which I believe is referred to as hanging most of the time. Um, like, I mean, there's, there's a number of situations where Daredevil takes actions that, that really should kill people. Um, and yeah, so I think you're right to, to then see him like stopping other people and saying, no, remember, I don't kill. It, it didn't really work in the way it did in the first season. Yeah, I mean, I think there is an extent to which in comic books, like comic book violence, there's just a paradigm where it's like there's like bruising damage, right? Like if you're not piercing someone's body with either a blade or a bullet, like it just won't kill them, right? Um, Which, of course, is nonsense, you know, like in the real world. And I mean, that's one reason that like when we talk about things like – police violence or or police you know killings uh i do feel like while there is a whole lot of truth on the side of like 
lethal force is used far far too indiscriminately. Uh-huh. Um, at the same time, there there isn't like non-lethal force isn't really a thing. Yeah, I mean, it's the choke, there's lethal and there's less lethal. The chokehold you know? that Freddie Gray was put in is defined as a non-lethal move, and like that chokehold, I could easily imagine Daredevil doing that to someone and claiming that in the comic book paradigm, that's not lethal. Um, right. And as we saw very clear evidence of in the real world, it is a lethal. It can be a lethal action. Yeah, and it's less lethal than putting a bullet in someone, but that doesn't mean that it's non-lethal. And the same way, I mean, stun guns and you know, just punching someone, right? Yeah. There was a, a, a guy punched a security guard on the plaza of my old building, and the security guard had a heart attack. Yeah. So a punch is generally, you know, a less lethal way of striking someone than, like, stabbing them or than shooting them. But you can still kill someone with a punch. If you hit them in certain ways, you can directly do it, or you can hit them and they can have a physical reaction. They can have a heart attack. And and so I, I think that there's... It's one of those things where I think people have a lot of trouble often in situations where a real honest discussion would have a lot of nuance to it, Yeah. right? But what happens is you have one side saying, hey, this thing is a big problem and you're ignoring it. And then you have another side taking some things that should be nuances in a conversation that would begin like, yes. Yes, we acknowledge this is a problem. However, there are also these other things that we should talk about, and we should have a real honest discussion about this. And instead of doing that, you have another side saying, well, how about this nuance that totally discredits your argument? And it's like, well, no, it doesn't totally discredit it. It just, you know, it should be part of a nuanced discussion. And so the trouble is that you have people using nuance as a way of negating, like, major points instead of as using nuance as a way of, um, like, refining sure. the discussion. And, and I want to here give out another shout-out um, to, to one of my favorite properties that, that, that isn't star, or that isn't um, superhero, but, but is heroes in a science fiction, uh, Star Trek, because there, yeah. I think, uh, and it's part of why I didn't like the, the most recent movie, um, but in a lot of the Star Trek stories, there's so much attention paid to watching people, often including our heroes, initially do one of the things you're talking about and then as the story unfolds they realize that there's a lot more nuance and a lot more that there's a miscommunication happening and a need to sort of get past that and to look at the depth of the situation right. um, which, which is a good uh, segue into the last the last sort of category I want to talk about so this doesn't become a three hour podcast um, but but is mind control because um, I think it's kind of related to the zombie thing in that it's like the person is there but, but they're mind or their sentience is no longer controlling their actions um, the most recent one that I saw is, is in the Avengers movie where Loki um, you know uh, taps on the heart of Hawkeye and, and Dr. Sel- Selwig um, and now they're you know mind controlled and so they're, they're acting differently um, and, and there's other examples as well and I kind of Civil War I mean Bucky oh yeah Bucky Bucky is another great example of that and, and I think what happens we, we, what Cap's actions are all about you know saying we can't, you know, because, like I said, Nick Fury clearly tries to kill Hawkeye. Um, right. Cap is all the way on the other end, and he's saying, even though Bucky is, you know, doing these terrible things, it's not his fault, therefore he can't be blamed. Um, yeah. And I think that, that there's a real range there of, sometimes we see movies say, well, 
this person's mind controlled so it's not his fault and other times it's he's under that sway we gotta kill him um and I'm kind of wondering where, where you fall on that what do you think of how the how these stories deal with that issue okay well let me start with mind control is like my second biggest pet peeve in science fiction yep. after time travel right <laughs> i'm so with you like, on time travel but go time on time travel you just it just never works it's just always it's always bad um but mind control also is just a, a huge um I, I just find it infuriating but in terms of like those two specific examples um the, the the situation's a, a little different in one and the other. I'd say that in the so the, the situation in the first one where Luke, um, Luke um, Nick Cage, Nick Fury, jeez, I always want to call him Nick Cage. I always want to call everyone Nick Cage. So you're basically uh, saying that but, all black characters in the Marvel universe are the same to you? Okay, we understand where you where you stand. No, I'm saying they're all Ghost Rider. <laughs> Understood. All right. Um, well, I, I know they're not exactly. I'm saying I, Nicolas Cage messes everything up. Okay, that's I, what I'm saying. I, I know they're not exactly the same, but I, I, but I don't no. I don't want to get too deep into the details of those two. I want to hear more about the the issue itself. But 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 go okay, ahead. Okay. Well. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think the details are 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 pretty important. But okay, go, go into them. Okay, so the, the but forget the details of those two specific ones. But there's two basic situations, right? right? One is someone is currently under mind control and they're doing something that the heroes don't want them to do. So they want to stop them. Right. Right. Now, depending on who that character is and how much the heroes care about that character, um, they will either go to all ends of the earth to try to um, non-lethally, to try to subdue that character using less lethal force or even no force at all sometimes in order to try to um, bring that character back basically right right or they'll be like eh, I didn't really like him that much anyway so I'm just gonna shoot him you which, know which a lot of which gets into that whole thing of the, the the moral value that different people have that we've talked about exactly exactly now the other situation is when someone is under mind control they do something horrible and then they're no longer under mind control. And I'd say that Civil War um, actually had both of those scenarios, right? right? It started off with a, a discussion of like, well, he did these things, right? And he was under mind control. Um, so, you know, does he like, I guess early on there was like a question of like, well, what's actually going on in his head, right? right. Um, but Cap was like, well, let's bring him in and, you know, talk about it basically. And they're like, no, let's just kill him because he did these things. And that's really what it is. It's because he did these things. You know, it's well, not I, because I, I, we think he's – well. Yeah, I, I don't think it's that. I, I think part of it is because he did these things. But I think I think, a, I think just as much of it is and we're afraid he'll do them again. Like I think that the issue uh, is that they're not really sure if um, – and, and again, not to get lost in the weeds of the one particular thing. But I, I do think you're right that there's a big difference between do we hold someone morally accountable – for the things they did while they were under mind control, that that's very different from are we allowed to take lethal force against someone who is doing things against their own will but is posing a danger in this moment? Right. Or right. is posing exactly. a possible future danger? Yes. Which is a third um, thing, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I'd say that in Civil War, I don't... Honestly, I found that whole 
thing one of the the weakest points in the movie uh -huh. um, in terms of like the response to like oh we got this photo that it was him even though he's like this super spy and like we've never actually had any evidence on him ever before and now we also magically know where he is right. and so all of that was like okay sure but <laughs> um <laughs> you know the the uh, whereas at the end the whole thing with him and Tony and and Cap I found much more compelling you know right. and um and that I think really gets into the like well you know do you hold someone responsible for those things and you know if you know is their life suddenly less important because they did certain things and um I don't know I think I'm losing the thread but the, well, the well, no I, th I think yeah. there's something yeah. really good there because I think it's part of why I so like that ending because you know I I I think I've talked about this before in a blog, but um you know I I, have, I love the fact that in the American criminal justice system, you know if if someone were to murder me, the the court case wouldn't be the people who love Matthew against this killer, it would right. be it would be the state of Wisconsin against them, because right. the idea is that the state of Wisconsin, like thinks that the world is a worse place when someone can kill me, but isn't emotionally. Like, does, there's no emotion felt by my death. Right. And, and I feel like, to me, there's a big difference between should a society hold Bucky Barnes legally culpable for the actions he took as the Winter Soldier and punish him in a legal way? That's different than Tony Stark is looking at the person who killed his parents. And sure. yeah. is he... He might, you know, I think even Tony Stark might be like, no, I don't think the legal system should do this, but, like, I personally... I have that emotion. I personally yeah. look at you as a person who killed my parents, and I can't get past that, and I don't want to get past that. And I, yeah, I'm very angry and not all that emotionally mature. Yeah, well, yes, that also true. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of unfocused, undealt with issues there, but I, th but I think that's important because I think it shows there's like, there's two, and I think both of them are wrong, but I think, you know, because personally I think, we, you know, holding someone legally culpable for something they did when they weren't in control is really problematic on any level. Yes. But I think it's important to sort of explore that there's a difference between just being angry at the person versus like coldly, rationally making a legal decision of responsibility. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, so, and, and, and go, so, so, but now get, go to the other end. So like with someone like Hawkeye or, um, you know, Dr. Selvig, you know, fully formed people who we've come to love as heroes and now they are, you know, clearly doing Loki's bidding. Where, where do they fall in, you know, what, what's okay, you know, where, where, where are they on a killable, killable level? Right. Well, I mean, Selwig is, I mean, in terms of the audience, right, Selwig is a character and Hawkeye's not really yet when he gets, he's like barely been introduced. Oh yeah, that's right. We don't right. Um, I mean, he was in Thor for mm -hmm. like a second, a second. And um, he was in the very beginning of Avengers. And it's like, oh, this is this character. Okay, oh, now he's under Loki's control. And it's, you know, it's, I mean, to me, it's the same. I, in terms of, like, from an audience standpoint, I'd say that when a character that the audience has been basically told to like is under mind control, it's like, no, you're not supposed to kill them. Right, heroes aren't supposed to kill them. When a random person is under mind control, it's like if you have to, you have to. And I think that's definitely a double standard. 
you know yeah. i mean as as far as where those characters fall on the scale i don't know but um the like a mind controlled random person definitely is pretty far down on the scale compared to a mind controlled like main character or whatever no right. you can't you can't if you're going to kill that person it has to be this big emotional tear jerking oh there's no other way you know kind of thing I, I mean and the movie actually explicitly names that in that Hawkeye you know Loki controlled Hawkeye winds up having a fight with Black Widow right. who has a personal connection with him you know as she says she, she owes him a debt and thus you know she seems to not want, it, want to kill him um, yeah she wants to bang his head really hard into a metal pole, right. which, as we've established, there's no chance of doing any real damage that way. No, it's, no that can't hurt anyone. <laughs> it's just gonna free him. Um, yeah. But yeah, you do wonder, like, if that was it's a liberating technique. If that was Iron Man fighting him, or even Captain America, right. you know, would there would that same thing have happened? Um, and and just circling back, kind of, I I do think that's um, I think you're right. Mind control is so often so badly done. I think the only time I've really seen it done wonderfully well, and again, with, with a few inconsistencies, but still so well done because it really wrestles with all these questions, is Jessica Jones. Cause yeah, I, think Jessica, I would say that's definitely the best one. Yeah, I think Jessica Jones does such a good job of, you know, her, you know, because so much of the plot is about her trying to make sure that a person who is under his control isn't, you know, held legally culpable. Um, all the other questions around, like, you know, do people want, you know, how, how much is someone wanting to be under his control and, and what's the urge there? And, you know, um, just a really good example of that. Yeah. I, I mean, I would say that that's maybe almost the only good example that I've, yeah. I've seen is, is that, um, where they, they, I mean, they, cause they really, they, they really get into it. You know, it's not just this passing like, Oh, well there's this. And, um, and it's it sort of also serves as a metaphor for other stuff. I mean, I I, I think that that whole season just they really um, they really explore a lot of things in a depth that is very difficult to achieve in a movie, mm-hmm. and particularly in an action movie where you get maybe thirty minutes of like character interaction right oh yeah and I, th- I think that's i don't think it is coincidence that the netflix shows and and even i would i think um agents of shield has has gotten into this question of mind control and moral yeah. culpability and some inter- and as well as like killing people i mean I'm right like, spoilers again but a major plot point of agents of shield is a character who's been established as just the worst of the worst being flat out murdered by one of our heroes Right. Um, and then that person really wrestling with was that the right thing to do and it having consequences. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I don't want to fully let movies off the hook, but I do think that there's something – you're right, that it's a lot harder in a movie to get into these questions um, you know, than it is in these TV shows because you just have more time. Um, and, and there's also just an expectation of a greater percentage of the time being devoted to action and just visual spectacle. Yeah. You know, that really um, – just it compromises like it's there's a reason the movies are way the reason the way the movies are right and i understand that you know the same way i understand why matt damon is in the great wall <laughs> even though it's ridiculous right but like so it, i i feel like it's it's reasonable to both like look at things that the way the movies are and be like well that's ridiculous and and to criticize that 
but at the same time be like but you know there's a there's a reason they are that way it's pretty much financial and you know that's too bad right you know the same way politics are the way they are largely for financial reasons and that's too bad and like let's let's do what we can to change them but um but at the same time kind of understanding I mean, to me, it's sort of the same thing, like holding a single movie responsible or holding the whole movie industry responsible. It's like, well, you can hold everyone responsible. Right. right? But you can understand that each of these things occurs within a system. And and one of the things that's great about Netflix shows just in general is that, sure, Netflix shows that's its own system, but it's a system that I think gives much more creative freedom to the the showrunners and the creators of a series in order to be like okay you know what do you want to do oh, how absolutely. can we make that work I, I mean i think jessica jones explore you know I've, I've read a lot of people talk about that that's one of the best explorations of like rape and the issues around it and and rape survival that yeah. people have ever seen and, and with well 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 totally agree with them that's not something a big budget hollywood movie is going to cover which is awful and i'm not saying that that's okay but i'm saying that's that's the great I'm so glad that those shows are doing that because I, I do think what that can do is it, it it can remind us that it doesn't have to be the way it is in the movies you know and so right, we can exactly. like I do think it's harder but I do think it is possible to make a Captain America movie where he has some recognition of the humanity of the people he is fighting and is rest mm-hmm. you know re- I mean you know even I think Civil War did that a little bit not very much but at least made some nods to that um, and part of that's because there's been a lot of backstory in other movies, but still, I think there's a way in which we can expect more from movies, and you know, sort of as particularly as because I think the comic books certainly mostly do a good job of that. Um, and I think that's one of the things we can do as fans is to start to say like, look, let's let because I think I think the most important point here is again going to that idea of nuance. If someone were to look listen to this conversation and say, clearly Hollywood wants to encourage racism. By telling us that some <laughs> that by 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 showing right. characters killing people, Hollywood is rubbing its hands and twirling its mustache, um, in my favorite uh, metaphor for villainy, to yeah, yeah. to say that. Um, by the way, does Zack Snyder have a mustache? Because he really should. Um, and oh, anyway. you, you just you're just like, all right, we're almost at two hours. <laughs> I I need to I haven't get, mentioned Zack Snyder. I need how to am get, I gonna? I'm, okay. Need to get I my felt, Zack. That felt a little forced, but no, it, I, it, I don't. It was. It was. I haven't it, seen him with one. It, it felt almost like something from a Zack Snyder movie. Like that oh, forced. <laughs> See, I got a, I got a better one in, but but the, the point being, I don't think you can say Hollywood is just perfect. You know, is is happily encouraging racism because that's what it wants to do. But I think no, it wants I, to make money. <laughs> right. I think, but what Hollywood is doing is saying the way to make money is also generating a lot of it. It is planting subconsciously the idea that or helping to continue the idea, which has already been planted by so many other things. Yeah. That some lives matter and some lives don't, based on all these different factors. And and if it makes us money, we're not going to worry about that. Um, and I think that's that. And to me, that's the not not that this uh. I, I want to sort of have a point to this episode, but I think to me that that that's where I wind up at this discussion is is sort of that recognition of, you know, this isn't being done intentionally, but still it's problematic, and it's important for us to, to like listen to talk about that and think about it and, and think about how it can be better. Yeah, it it perpetuates uh, something that's already a problem, basically, and uh, you know that's too bad. And I think by talking about it and you know, maybe making films ourselves, we, <laughs> we can, you know, try, try to not perpetuate it. And, um, 
there are, you know, I mean, I think Luke Cage being a series is, that's, you know, that's great. Like yeah. that's, there's a, there's a chance that that will have a very positive effect, you know, in, in these regards. And, but you know, maybe it won't, maybe they'll screw it up and, and, uh, I'm sure they'll find their own ways of kind of <laughs> sort of having some sort of a hierarchy of like who matters more than whom, yep. or maybe, maybe not so much, but you know, at the, at the same time, like it won't, you know, it won't be the same one that, that we've generally been seeing all the time. And I think that's good, you know, and, and progress I don't think comes like in, you know, everything just suddenly changes because people don't see Dr. Strange because it doesn't have a Tibetan ancient one. You know, I think right. progress happens gradually, generally as new filmmakers, um, come into the fold and, and, you know, get power and, and get to make big things. And, as sometimes as older filmmakers, uh, you know, make new stuff with a new eye. And, and I think I think it's both. I mean, I, I, I'm probably not going to see Doctor Strange because of that. And I don't think that, that you know, losing my $12 is going to be what changes Hollywood. Um, I don't think it will. You know, but I but I think a lot of I, I think there's a possibility that a lot of people won't see it. I think that may have some effect, you I, know. I think that's extremely optimistic, but, you know, have at it. It is quite possibly true. So let me ask a last question, and I actually would ask this not only of, of you, but of our listeners. Um, and anything, I want to say anything that we've talked about that you're interested in, you want to comment on, you can tweet at us uh, at Superhero Ethics, um, or, and Paul will give his information in a second, but I'm going to make sure he can follow that one as well. Um, you, can, you can tweet at us there. You can um, go to Facebook page, Superhero Ethics. There'll be a, uh, a post about this um, episode. Tell us what you think. Tell us, you know, what we got right, what we got wrong. What are the issues you see around uh, heroes killing and, and, and when that happens? But in particular, I would love it if you know examples of this. And, and Paul, I'm going to ask you as well. Can you think of an, a time where there's a team-up movie, like the Avengers or X-Men or something like that, where different characters seem to have different scales of who can be killed and they argue about that? And, and I don't mean the Punisher versus Daredevil, where it's just, can you kill people in general? But I mean, where one person's like, you know, drug dealers, those are the one people who, like, I just, I'm okay killing. And someone else is like, no, 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 drug dealers are fine, but it's, 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 um, zombies. Th those kill it with, you know, any, a time where there's that kind of, t where, where there's an exploration of the idea that these scales are subjective. Civil War? Huh. How so? Uh, well, so first of all, in the comics, there's, you know, I mean, the, the general whole, whole setup is basically how, um, you know, what, what should superheroes be doing? How, you know, should they be regulated? Yada, yada, yada. Uh, but there's a, a spot where I think the... Thunderbolts or whatever, the ones who are working with the government have already killed someone on, like, Team Cap, right? Uh -huh. And Team Cap is obviously mad, and they're like, well, we have to go rescue all these heroes from prison. Um, and and then Punisher shows up, and he's like, I'm going to help you, blah, blah, blah. I know all this information, yada, yada, yada. And then he's like, wait, you have a villain here? Boom. And he, like, shoots them. Oh, God. And Cap's like, no. <laughs> Thanks, Frank. Bye bye. <laughs> um, so, and I mean, you know, of course it's Punisher. You know, right? Uh, I can't really think of examples. Uh, 
of I mean outside of like Daredevil and Electro or Daredevil and Punisher. Um, right, well, and in both of those, it to me that's uh, a support, I mean, there's a lot. But there's a lot of cases where Dare, Daredevil or Batman, like one character yeah. says, "Don't kill anyone," and the one right. person says, "And I'm more thinking of is there anyone where there's there's some where both characters are acknowledging that they think some people are are killable and others aren't, but they disagree on who is killable." Dexter. Oh yeah, that's actually. I mean, that's not a superhero story, but it's right. it's it's a great but example. It kind of is. <laughs> I, I mean, you know. I mean, he's a vigilante. He is legitimately a vigilante. Right, and he, he has he has a code. I mean, he has he has a, a code, and he encounters some people who are also serial killers who do not have a code, or sometimes, at least in one case, kind of have a code, but like not exactly. You know. Right. Um, and so I th- I think I mean, there are people who have different codes that's than really his. Interesting. Hmm? There are people who have different codes than his. Exactly. Exactly. I, I mean, to some extent, like when he deals with crooked cops, that's another great example of where, like, you know, those are, you know, going back to where we really started, you know, of the person outside the law who's breaking the law and the person inside the law who's breaking the law. Both of them are right. killing people. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so clearly, Dexter is the most morally advanced of all of these properties. That's the. Yes. <laughs> yes. That, that's where we. Best have. superhero show. Except for the last two episodes, those are. Oh, well, we we speak those. Of those. Really I I would push that Burn Notice is the best show, but you know mm-hmm. that's that's Michael Weston as a superhero. Is, you well, know what? No, I'd say well, yeah, Super Spy. Um, but really, Sam Axe is the he superhero. And Sam Axe actually have, and him, Sam Axe and Fiona discuss like who they can kill. That's a, yeah, actually that that's a conversation that happens. So you know maybe it doesn't happen so much in superhero. Uh, things I'd like to see it more. Um, I mean, Batman and Alfred talk about stuff like that, you know. Right. And um, in the Justice League animated show, they sit, you know, they definitely yes, the Justice League animated show where the Justice League and the Justice Lords basically um, Batman and Batman have a conversation about like using lethal force and and oh, sure. but, you know how to but, stuff like that. But, but to but, clarify a little, that that's still a case where we the audience see one as the good guy and another as the bad guy yeah i i, I think burn notice which again kind of off off track but i think is so is a great show and so perfect for this it is kind of exactly what i'm getting at because they're three of our heroes are having this debate and they all have different ways of rank you know fiona it's anyone who hurts a child is you know just like the, the most killable thing in the world um michael has an identification with other burned spies and so like the the Pete's every now and then you know Sam is saying look you just got to kill that guy he's he's bad news say you know Michael can relate to him and so Michael right. is less willing to like take that person's life yeah. you know and then later towards the end Michael's more like well I'll just kill who I have to kill and Sam's like whoa whoa there right you know um, great great so, show so yeah I'd say that's actually yeah yeah all right so kind of wrapping up um, an hour after I'd hoped to wrap up but it's been a great conversation um, any kind of last points you want to make to kind of close this out on? Uh, let's see. I covered that I'd kill everyone I ever knew in order to survive and eat them. <laughs> so, no. Um, su- oh, Superman uh, and the but, Wolf. By the way, Wait, did pro, I talk pro, about that? pro tip, going mountain hiking in dangerous terrain with Paul only is probably <laughs> not a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm not much of a mountain climber either, so. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, these, these sort of, like, deserted island situations, I don't really see them as... <laughs> happening in, in my future um uh but anyway, yeah you were saying. so I, i'll just close on this um 
there's an episode where Superman of, of the Justice League animated series, basically Superman's alone in somewhere else. And there's all these wolves that are trying to kill him and he doesn't have his powers. And like one of the wolves is like the red wolf. So like, you know, he's like the leader or the bad guy or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, or she, I guess. I don't know. Um, but so that wolf attacks him and then it cuts Right, you see, he has like this sword, the spear, or something, and it it cuts, and then we see Superman wearing like the wolf pelt and leading the other wolves, like he's now the alpha wolf because he killed the other wolf. Uh huh. And so, you know, they were the enemies in this. You know, they were his enemies here, and he was obviously just trying to survive. Which, you know, uh, like I don't have any philosophical problem with that, really. Um, but, like, let's say there were a bunch of humans attacking him, and he kills one of them and then made a coat out of them. That's kind of problematic. Now, all of a sudden, we've, we've got Silence of the Lambs, <laughs> right? So, you know, I just say that people see, uh, obviously, you're not going to make coats out of humans, usually, except maybe in some kind of post-apocalyptic, crazy, crazy world. Um, but, like, uh, different... Life forms obviously uh, are are we're, are looked at differently, yep. and um, you know that's just that's just a little little closing example. No, I think it's a really good one, and I think it's you know, and it being on a strange planet, you could also think that like, when does an alien life form become, you know, we draw a moral line between human and animal. Right. By we, you mean? Be, well, yeah. <laughs> for yourself and most other humans. Most other humans, humans, not yeah. not. Not you, not you and others, but well, but 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 um, I think so. That question then becomes, where do we draw that line when dealing with species on an alien planet? You know, like right. in, in the um, you know, in the Avengers movie, we don't just have the Chitari, we have these huge flying whale beasts. Um, yeah, you know, whatever the heck they are. Um, on the one hand, I would sort of be like, I don't really want to kill the bad guys' pets, but clearly these are beasts of war, and again, they're shown as terrifying, so we can kill right. them. Um, yeah, but it becomes just you know. Yeah, you know, on that planet, Superman's on. Who know if the wolves are talking sentient creatures? Like, if you if you later discovered that wolves were sentient creatures on that planet, would that action now seem even more terrifying? You know, right? Um, exactly. So, well, great. Thank you again for our, uh, the conversation. Looking forward to having a lot more. Um, tell us, Paul, a bit about uh, how we can find you and, and follow up with what you're doing. Uh, you can find me at Zen Madman on Twitter at Zen Madman or ZenMadman.com on the interwebs uh, where I, I will eventually start writing new stuff. <laughs> I have the uh, insane plan that I might currently be in the throes of by the time this podcast is released. So uh, check that out. Cool. Cool. Well, thank you. And again, um, I'm Matthew. Uh, I'm at Matthew West Fox. Um, you can follow all this stuff from the superhero ethics blog by going to superheroethics.com. You can also follow us on iTunes um, or on Twitter. Um, And more than anything, please tell your friends about this. Get into the conversation. um, And mostly let us know what you think. Um, Paul and I obviously have a lot of strong opinions about this, but we love talking about it. That's why we got into this podcast. Uh, Not just because I want to tell people what I think, but because I want to hear what you think. I want to hear your ideas. So um, tweet at us, post at us, um, let us know what you think. uh, And thank you for taking part. Bye-bye. Thank <laughs> you.